September 19th, 2022. You're listening to Oblast with Don and Kevin. I'm Kevin. And I'm Don. And we're back again. You know, uh, we did the show <laughs> last week, of course, with Larry. Yeah. Larry Mack. If you uh, were, are not a uh, Patreon subscriber, you didn't get to hear it because it's only on the uh, Patreon feed. Every other show is on Patreon, and uh, it's $2 a month. So um, uh, if you want to help out the show, help us pay the bills. Um, I think it's fair, right? I mean, $1 of it or some percentage of that $1, which is fairly high, goes to just Patreon and its associated costs. So, you know, all we're really getting is a dollar, you know, for for you to listen. And, uh, you know, it just helps pay for um, audio (laughs) conversion software that we use and the server uh, ACAS thing that we pay for. And uh, a couple other things, a couple odds, a couple other odds and ends. And um, yeah. And so, you know, patreon.com forward slash VGN. And um, it's also in the link on the podcast feed. But um, and there's the whole archive. So if you want the old shows from the history of, you know, from all the VGN and stuff, you know, you want all that stuff. That's there's access there. Once you get in there and you get your own private RSS feed so you can get all the shows and be able to listen to everything uh, week to week. But anyway, uh, because Donnie and I hadn't done shows for about a month, we pretty much caught up on all of the dead space between shows. So <laughs> as soon as we finished doing the show last week, I posted the show, right? So I had to like sit here and do the pre- post-processing and then put the show out on the RSS feed. And I'm going to keep doing that. Until we like, I don't know, make extra shows or something to kind of catch, you know, f- further ahead or something. And at the same time, yeah. just for the audience to know, if we end up having a holiday or something, or we just can't do the show, you're just gonna have to feel that gap because I don't have any gap filler right now to put in. So, hello. All right. Okay, I think it's working. Yeah. Uh, it sounds better now. Okay. Well, that, I'm sorry for everybody that got it. Was Jeff was choppy in the beginning? I, the, the, you know, I bought this mixing board from Rich. You know, number of years ago when we started doing this show, and it's a good board, but it is really like it needs to be exchanged for a new one. Let me just say it like that. It's not great. <laughs> so, um. Uh, it, and it does these weird things. Like I think the power cell on it is power supply on it or something isn't good or something. And then like, if you just bump it or something, you lose contact with things. And sometimes I have to move the sliders up and down, like to clear, like the atomic space dust that's on there. I I don't know. I don't know. So that's part of the typical VGN audio problems. These kinds of mixing boards, they're not that cheap, and I just don't really want to drop the the hundreds on this stuff. Um, but yeah. hey, we got a Patreon. If you want to help donate to uh, help you buy a, a better audio board, so we have better audio, that'd be great. Uh, but anyway, this week I wanted I had two topics I wanted to talk about, and then we might talk about some Clint stories at the end with Donnie, which would be fun. Uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, chiropractors. I know we talked about this a little bit before, so it's going to be short. Um, but, uh, cause I was thinking about it the other day and I still have this, um, severe, what do they call it? Severe, 
spinal canal stenosis or something. It basically the disc in my neck is strangling my spinal cord. It's so like you know a normal spinal cord maybe is like I don't know half an inch thick or something, and then mine's all like condensed down to like a few millimeters because my my disc is crushing it. And somehow I'm still okay <laughs> with that. Um, nothing else seems to be the matter with me due to that. Although on the MRI, it doesn't look great and there's nothing you can do about it except to have surgery. And then, but I also have, um, spinal stenosis, uh, in my, in, in lower, my lowest vertebrae in my neck, pinching the nerve that goes down to my right arm. And, uh, so the bottom of my right forearm, we've talked about this on the show is, um, about 50% numb. That's how I like to describe it. Like I can feel like things that are touching it, et cetera, but it feels also like it's numb, you know? So it's not, it's not hundred percent. So anyway, um, if you are an average person out there and, you, and you're having spine problems, I think a lot of people that I have met in my life, um, go to a chiropractor. And oh, I yeah. think that's because they think chiropractors are medical doctors, just like you would go see a podiatrist for your foot or a dermatologist for your skin, or maybe like a ophthalmologist for your eyes, etc. But a chiropractor doesn't go to medical school. They go to some chiropractor school. They're not MDs. So they might get a doctorate in being a chiropractor so they can call themselves doctor but they're not medical doctors. Now there might be a chiropractor out there. I don't know why, um, that went to medical school and then became a chiropractor. But in general, that's just not how it works. Um, if you wanted to be a doctor and get into being like of the spine, you become a spine doctor or, you know, if you're into the nerves, you become a neuroscientist, you know, or a neurologist or something. Um, and, and so like, if you want, someone to actually do surgery on your spine, you, you see a, you know, you see a spine, a spine doctor, um, not a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm not, I've never been to one. Now, Donnie, we did talk to you. You went to see one before, uh, when we talked about yes. this, it kind of messed you up. Uh, it worked great at first, you said, and then it, it didn't last. And that, yeah. that is something that I've, I've heard from people that go to chiropractors. They go, the chiropractor does their bone cracking thing. Right. They feel great afterwards. They're like, that was wonderful. And then they feel like they got to go back after a month or something because they no longer feel great anymore. And to me, it seems like going to a chiropractor is a lot like going to a massage therapist or something. Like you're getting like some relief you know, getting the, 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 the massage, but I don't think it actually cures anything. Go ahead. That's no, like a temporary thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Or seeing like an acupuncturist or something like it's temporary and not, uh, it's, it doesn't, cause what are they doing? They're not giving you surgery. You know, they're, no. they're cracking your bones and they're realigning your spine, but that realigning your spine. I mean, if you think about it, like what, what is it all just like a bunch of Legos or laying around or something? I mean, they can't, they can only do so much, you know, just pushing these right. things around. They can't get in between your vertebrae and move your discs oh, they, back into place and stuff. Oh, oh they try. <laughs> yeah. 
It is not comfortable. You're just like, whoa. And, and, and that's the thing. So like, you know, people are always like, yeah, you should go see a chiropractor about your thing. And I'm like, listen, my, my nerve, my spinal cord is like close to being like cut. I'm not going to go see no. some dude who's going to grab me by the head and just go. And now I'm paralyzed for the rest of my life. Now, of course, these people kind of know what they're doing. I realize that they do go to school for years on this. Um, so they're not, they're not idiots or I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like, they're not, they're not doctors. So they're not, you know, they might do an x-ray or order an x-ray for you, I guess. Um, probably not getting an MRI done uh, on it. So you can see what's really going on. Um, and so it's kind of like, uh, I just think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't know about. And in the sense of, because like, if you just didn't know chiropractors, you just, you hear about it. You're like, it's the back doctor. So like, you got a back problem, you go see the chiropractor and it's like, it's that's, but that's not it. You know, that's, (laughs) that's just somehow it's just gotten to that because regular spine doctors, I guess, don't get a lot of attention or something, you know? And so you end up, um, a lot of people end up going to somebody that's just cracking their back and and don't get me wrong. I, I think it does help some people feel better. I just don't think it's uh, it solves anything. I don't know anybody that ever went to one and was like, uh, yep, solve my back problem, feel great. You know, it's more like they go in, they get it done, and then they're like, later on, they're like, ah, I got to go back. My back's all messed up, you know, and well, then they keep well, going and stuff. That's uh, that's kind of funny that I brought up Clint earlier because that's exactly how that dude is. Because you'll go over there and he'll just be like all stiff and he's like, oh, I threw my back out. I sneezed or whatever, you know, and I threw my back out. And he's like, and I had to make it, I got to make an appointment to go to the chiropractor. And then he goes to the chiropractor. He goes, he goes in, crack, crack, crack. He comes walking out. He goes, I feel great. He goes, the guy just lines me up, straightens me out, and I'm good to go until he tweaks his back again. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he's back, right? You know what I mean? And then yeah. he's like, oh, I can't move. I got to make an appointment. And then he has to go in. So it's like, they, like you said, they do not fix they don't right. fix anything. Right. They just they just they just help alleviate pain. Yeah, uh, that's a good way of looking allegedly. It. Right. And and uh you know, it it they may do some other things or whatever. Uh oh, Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Dinner. He's got it too. Kia Akron, Soul Ohio. Silver Silver in color. HDL nine seven oh six. Check local media. We're gonna find you. <laughs> Kia Soul. It's like an Akron, man. It's so fuck what am I gonna that's funny it started vibrating in my hand my phone and then i i could hear it i could hear yours vibrating on your desk or whatever (laughs) i was like whoa the crazy one is when you get the weather alert on your phone like you know when when it's like you know severe tornado coming for you (laughs) everybody look out that's basically what it's like you're like what the fuck where am i supposed to go get down Yeah, no, it's, uh, well, I hope whoever that is is okay. I, I tell you, I mean, I'm not trying to jinx anything, so I hope that kid gets caught safe or found safe. But yeah. 99% of the time, when these things come in, it's just the baby daddy or the baby mama has the kid too long. And like an hour later, they're like, kid, fine. You know, parent, parent found with kid or whatever. Yeah. You're just like, all yeah. right. Did you guys maybe jump the gun a little bit on the Amber Alert? Like, I don't know. I don't know because it saves a kid, but I mean, then again, to be fair, if something bad does happen, that's probably the one they don't tell us about. You know, they're just right. like, this one's over 
and then you don't hear that something horrible happened. So they're not they're not coming back and being like, well, body was found. Right, right. <laughs> You're just like, well, you just no. hear the good stories that they found the kid. So I guess maybe that's true. Right. Okay, so that's all I really wanted to talk about chiropractors. Just if you're out there, folks, and you, you know you're younger or whatever, and you're thinking about you know you got some back issues and stuff, maybe go see a real back doctor. Um, I'm not saying they're going to solve your problems because look at me, but um, but that, yeah, I was just, that that's the thing is like I went to a doctor because of my back because I was like, this yeah. is dumb. I need to get fixed here, right? And she was like, Have you gone to a chiropractor yet? And I was like, Well, no. She's like, Go to the chiropractor first and. Well, you know what I mean? Like got the wow. referral. This was this was back way back when. Yeah. You know, two thousand or whatever. Right. So whenever that started. So it's like, you know, she was like, Oh, you gotta go, you know, see the go to a chiropractor for so I went to the chiropractor and then came back and I was like, I need surgery. Like right, right. <laughs> I need I need to get this like taken care of. And she was like, Well, I'm gonna refer you to the chiropractic, what's the name of the place? Chiropractic Associates or something like that. Oh, up in Westlake, and she's like, "Okay, go see this guy, and then if that's what he suggests, then then I'll 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 okay that." So it was like, "Geez, you're just sending me." I'm like, "I'm in pain here, lady. Like, you know, like help me out." It was, or no, it wasn't that. No, she didn't make me go to the chiropractor. I went to the chiropractor. That didn't work. I went to her and said, "Hey, I need to get something seriously done about this." She made me go to her. I don't know what it was. It was Curtis's sister. It was weird. Oh, uh, but she was doing like a back stretching thing. She had the tension tables. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the physical therapy thing. kind of thing. Yeah, she was like, "Go to this, and if it doesn't, if this doesn't do it, then I'll go ahead." And, okay. Yeah. So usually they give you the physical therapy first for a while, and then if that doesn't fix it, um, right? And then they're like, "Okay, go get surgerized." Yeah, I started doing yoga, and I joined a yoga group instead of doing physical therapy. I did physical therapy yeah. for a bit. Um, but, uh, physical therapy really, at least in my scenario, is they're teaching you some exercises to do and then right. you go home and do them yourself basically. Right. And then you go in again and they teach you like a new exercise to do and you do the other exercises as well. And then you go home and then you come back and they teach you another exercise and then you do the other, the old exercises as well. And it's like, right. I think it's like 200 to $300 a session for that shit, physical therapy. Cause it's medical. And I'm just like, yeah. yoga is like 22 bucks a session, man. I'll just go do the same shit at yoga, you know? So, um, <laughs> go on YouTube and get a pull up yoga video. Yeah, that's the other thing, go. too. For a lot of physical therapy, like if you kind of know exactly what's wrong with you, you can just find uh, the, the things you can do on YouTube, you know? And it didn't, physical therapy didn't help me. So, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it never has. I always go because you have to, basically, if you want to eventually get yeah. surgery. But it's never it's never helped with nerves in my back and things like that. It it never does anything for me. It's like I'm just I mean, it might with other people, but it's not I don't have bad posture. I don't have like some kind of weird I I think this is partially these the, the disc slipping in my back is partially I mean it's obviously due to age. And it's also just due to my career. I mean, I'm kinda leaning forward, staring at a computer screen my whole right. life, basically. And so those discs eventually just kind of wiggle their way out a little bit and push forward. And what are you going to do? You know, uh, hopefully not die. That's, that's kind of what we're going to prefer not to. So the other thing I want to talk about, I want to talk, I was thinking about this the other day and I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the history of video games because uh, I thought it was kind of an interesting 
topic. You know, I watch a lot of these YouTube videos of people always um, retro this and that things they do. One thing I can never understand, too, by the way, um, there's a lot of these guys out there that they'll take like a Commodore 64 or an Atari ST or, or an Apple or something. I don't know. I don't watch those other ones. I watch, mostly watch the ones I grew up with. So I mostly watch like Commodore. They'll take an Amiga or, the, or Commodore 64 or something. And these guys, I mean, some of these people out there will, they build, they get like circuit boards and they'll build all new like microchips and things to like put into these things to make them like faster, you know? Like you could make a Commodore 64 run 40 times faster, you know, put in this thing and take this chip out and insert this one. And now it's going to work like super fast, you know, and same with the Amiga. They're like, you can go ahead and put this in and that'll make the Amiga like, you know, process things like a hundred times. Better. Like, like, like I can get some of, I can get behind some of it. Like I can get behind the idea of like the floppy disks. To, like that bullshit. Like get put all that shit on a USB stick and plug that in. Yeah, it makes sense because those those floppy disks don't hold anything. They're 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 dated and they're they're not reliable. You know, but they're speeding the computer up or enhancing these things, and they'll do this with game systems too, right? Old game systems. Um, uh-huh. you know, see how fast your PlayStation Two can run and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, look, the the games <laughs> were written. For the machine of that time, there's going to be a small handful of games that are going to take advantage of some uh, accelerator. But no matter how you pump up the the power of that thing, it's still like an old ass computer. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not going to compare to anything. If you want something faster and better... It already exists, you know. Your right. problem, whatever you're recording your video on, that you know, that's you've got it already. Like, what are you tr- trying to do now? Like, I think it becomes like this weird ego thing. Like they're imagining themselves back when they were like eight years old or something, in their computer, being like, "Man, I wish I had a hardware accelerator in this thing, so it would be so much better than my friend's computer or something." And now they're like making that come true as an adult or something, and they're yeah. like. They're just like running some program on their machine and they're like, wow, look how much faster it is. And it's just like, who cares? I, I just don't <laughs> give a shit. Now there's, there's, I realize that there's some niche shit that can happen. Like some people might like to use like the Amiga's old 3d rendering packages and maybe speeding it up. It would be good for that. Uh, okay. But I, I don't think that's what most people are doing. I think most people are buying these accelerators because it's like some kind of weird, like, uh, you know, just like you want the most powerful version of that old shit that you can have. And I know I, I don't have one, but I know that if you did use those things, they're probably unstable as all else because like the software wasn't written for that kind of timing, you know, like the, the PCs of today, you know, probably starting somewhere in the two thousands era, um, were much more variable, you know? So like windows, you know, will run when, you know, windows 95 would run on a DX 66 or a DX 33, you know, 33 megahertz or 66 megahertz, different kinds of graphics cards, different kinds of sound cards and things. Not always. Well, there's always those blue screens that everybody would call blue screens of death driver issues and all these kinds of problems over the years. 
But eventually, you know, it gets to a point where the machines now can be very variable and uh, the operating system can handle all the different um, timings and confusions. But if you go before that era, most of the hardware was fixed, really, you know. And so um, it, it, it the developers, like if you're writing games or just general software and things, kind of knew the clock cycles of the machine, you know, and, and they knew, you know, uh, the, they could like talk to this microprocessor at exactly this moment because that microprocessor wouldn't be working on something right then and there. So they could like talk to it, get its little piece of data that it needs and then let it do its thing. And all of that stuff was done with like assembly language so that you could, you could make this stuff all kind of work very quickly. And if you go in and change the timings, if you're just like, I'm going to make the CPU a hundred times faster, then all of that code's not going to work right because the, the, the memory spaces and things aren't going to be available at the same time that the software was written for. And so then it's just going to go and, and shit the bed most of the time. And that's, you know, Sega Saturn is a, also like a lot of that software was written in like assembly code, but anyway, I don't want to get, I, I kind of went on a tangent there because I just see a lot of these things on on YouTube and I just find them to be like kind of ridiculous. Sorry. Um, by a tangent, you mean a bunch of words that I didn't understand. Yeah, I'm you sorry, but some people out there, yeah. No, 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 I know. It's, it, it, I'm just saying, it's, it, it makes me laugh because I'm sitting here going like, all right, dude, come on, follow it, follow it, follow <laughs> it. Nope, nope, I lost it. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, it's, um, you, you know, like, uh, there's, you know, there's a good video out there uh, on uh, some of these things about uh, tricks that were done with, like, this one developer was talking about tricks that he did while he was developing video games back in the 16-bit, you know, and uh, Genesis, Super Nintendo, um, Sega Saturn, right? And Sega Saturn was, was uh, you know, eclipsed by the PlayStation, but the PlayStation, right. the PlayStation was this sort of raw hardware in the sense of as a developer and it was good for developers but as a developer you would you you would write a program for it a game and it would out of the box for the most part offer you the maximum amount of performance that it was capable of so it was like you didn't really have to do a lot of tweaks or anything this is this is what it did now they they obviously do some tweaks but most of it's already there you couldn't there was no extra power to tap you just yeah. got it, and it worked great, and it was p really powerful for the time. I mean, the PlayStation was a great little console. We all know that. Um, the Saturn, you had the ability to write code for it, and and if you weren't getting the, the performance you needed, you could call on other microprocessors that were on the, on the board for assistance. For instance, like that Virtua Fighter game, right? Yeah. You got like, you know, the two guys fighting in the 3D arena and everything. Right. Um, I think it's Virtua Fighter 2. I don't know about Virtua Fighter 1, but I know I know f for a fact with Virtua Fighter 2, um, there's two processors. There's two main processors inside the Saturn. And, um, and what they ended up doing was is they used one for one character on the screen and they used the other for the other character on the screen. So, like, they ended up, um, you know, using the maximum amount of power from both of these processors in order to make this game. You know, each character was being rendered by their by their own processor. But yeah. but they also had um, uh, 
the Saturn also had this thing called a DSP, which is a very sort of, I don't want to call it basic, but it kind of is. It's just a basic calculator, right? Like a calculator. It just does some math, right? It just adds some things up. And, but it, but a DSP does it really fast, right? So it, it can, it can add up things much faster than a regular processor because it's sort of dedicated to what it's doing. And, um, you know, an, an, an example of a DSP is when you put a compact disc in, it, it's reading all those zeros and ones off of that disc and it's making your music, right? Yeah. It's that technology has been around since what the nineties and, you know, it's, you know, um, fast right and it, yeah. it, it ends up you know processing all this stuff um uh, without a lot of overhead like you know you didn't have to buy like a thousand dollar processor to play your 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 music you know it, it's like it's cheap dsp is cheap but you can get better and better dsps well anyway saturn had a dsp in it as well and if and like these developers do like if you were needing extra processing time you could you could reach out to the dsp and be like hey do this extra math for me and then give it back to me really quickly and if you did it with the right timing right you're like i got five seconds to do this so do these math problems and then send it back within five seconds right and yeah. as long as the calculations weren't too hard or you know I'm, I'm trying to break i'm trying to dumb it down in a way but as long as the calculations weren't too hard, it could return the results in those five seconds. So the CPU itself wouldn't have to try to figure that out. And so the DSP is so fast, you know, it's able to like do all these calculations and help the, the processor out. So you were able to, on the Saturn, you were able to make games that were like really high quality um, and have a lot of features and, and effects because of this combination of microprocessors, the the negative of this craziness is you actually need to have a really good developer, right? That can harness this knowledge and use these processors. But you also, it just takes more time and development time to do it, you know, where on the PlayStation, you could just be like, all right, let's just make our game, you know, and boom, it's done. And, and where the Saturn, it's like, if they did that, they, they're like, we're not getting the performance we want. Now we got to fuck around with it to get it to where we want it to go. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I had both systems at one time or another. And, right. um, and I have them both today and I have a whole bunch of playstations, um, and a couple different Sega Saturns. But I, I, I've always felt that like respectively the performance on each system was pretty much identical. A lot of people, the ups and downs with it, but obviously the PlayStation just simply had way more titles. They had titles yeah. a lot earlier, and uh, I think they had better cases for their games. For instance, the, yeah. the Saturn had those big plastic things that broke, wasn't any good. Um, and Sega's first-party titles for the Saturn, some of them were okay, but some of them were shit. And, they, you know, they just didn't have those standout titles, whereas Sony was going out and creating, like, 989 Sports and buying, like, all of, like, Psygnosis and all these other little companies and having them all make games for them constantly. So they had this constant warehouse of titles, you know, good quality games coming out for the PlayStation all the time, you know, yeah. plus the PlayStation was a hundred dollars cheaper. I mean, so anybody going into a store would just be like, why, why do I want this Saturn thing? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what is this going to get me? All the games on it are old, you know, 
Do you uh, like Sonic? <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know. Uh, but the Saturn did do a, a few things that were kind of novel in the sense that it had a cartridge slot on the back of it and you could you could plug in a memory card into into there to expand its memory and the japanese yeah. really embraced that because they were at that time and so in america it's the same way they were really into the 2d fighters like street fighter 2 and all that all right and uh all of those games all of those characters in those games have a lot of frames of animation right so if you want smooth gameplay you want to have all of those frames of animation in memory and it, you know if you didn't have enough memory then you had to cut frames out and the gameplay wasn't as smooth and and so on the saturn you were able to do that because you could add the memory card to it where on the playstation you couldn't in fact the playstation it really didn't do 2D graphics at all, really. Uh, I think like things like Street Fighter 2 and stuff were actually done with polygons, like 3D polygons. Yeah. And and they were just done in a way that made them flat and look like a 2D game. You know what I mean? Like they were they used they utilized tricks to make that work, and you you would not know the difference if you were playing something in 2D. But I think the PlayStation was just designed because Sony Ken Kutaragi was just a visionary and he just kind of knew like, we're going to make a 3d system. It's not the time to do it because none of this stuff is powerful enough to do it, but that's what America wants, you know? And he was right. I mean, he was right. Yeah. It, it, everybody wanted that 3d thing because of doom and all that stuff. And, right. uh, it, you know, PlayStation, well, we all know just was a monster, you know, and that led on to PlayStation two being even a bigger monster. But anyway, let's go back to the beginning here for a second. I was born okay. in 72. Okay. And. 1972. That's right. Just so everybody knows. Right. And that is when the first video game system commercially was released. That's before the arcade. It was released for the home. So yeah. there was, n there were arcade parlor games, let's say, right? Like the yeah. electronic things with the gun, the owl pops up on the screen, you blast yeah. it with a bolt of light, you yeah. know, that, that kind of stuff was happening. We saw a lot of that craziness. The, the car where the wheel, you turn the wheel and there's like a track that's kind of rolling down the screen, but it's all mechanical. It's all mechanical. Right. Lots of mechanical arcade games. Right. A little matchbox car, like on a, on a yes. like basically on a stick, right? But you drive right or left, and, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and so, but Magnavox, they came out with the the Odyssey in 1972 for the home, and that had a version of Pong on it or ta or tennis, right? Because Atari, uh, Nolan Bushnell saw it at a um, at the trade show. He stole the idea. Uh, and created Pong and then started putting Pong in arcades. And then Atari started to sell Pong for the home. And they got sued and lost because they stole the idea. And Magnavox became the predominant producer uh, or of the licenses for Pong. And if you followed my, you know, Will It Work series on YouTube, which I still have to finish putting all the other consoles I have on there. Um, Pong was like from like 72 to like 
I mean, definitely sometime in the 80s, they were still making pong systems, right? You know, with variations of table tennis. And, uh, but for, I think the Atari 2600 and its various close siblings mostly came out around 77, 78. So for about five years or so, if you want to play a video game, it was just pong. Yeah. And uh, I kind of had an odyssey for a minute when I was a kid, and then it kind of moved on. It didn't work right or something, or my parents didn't know how to set it up right. I was really young in like that era, you know, that age, you know, yeah. but I, I vaguely remember my brother sitting on the couch playing it for a little bit and being like, it doesn't work, ah! and just sort of mesmerized a bit by what was going on. But, uh, and, and you would at this point remember it though. When the Atari 2600 became the the game system to own, right? It there was this weird video game craze going on in the 80s at that point. Like there was arcades everywhere, right. songs about the Atari games, Pac Man and Space Invaders and things. But I think Pac Man Fever was on the yeah was on there. Uh, and, uh, um, and I remember, you know, go, going, trying to play arcade games as much as possible because it was, uh, it was exciting stuff. I mean, the coolest place, right. I mean, what else are you going to do as a kid back in the, back in those days? I mean, it's like, I don't know. I go to the, to go to the circus or something, go to the, go to the, yeah, right. go to Cedar point. I mean, in terms of like going to your local mall or, or wherever there was an arcade. I mean, that was the thing to go do. I mean, what, there, what, there was no jumping room or jump bounce houses or anything. I mean, it was just you did that or maybe a clown would paint your face if you could find a clown. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be around to give you a balloon animal or something. I mean, there just really right. wasn't the technology then uh, that there is, you know, today. So an arcade was exciting. And, and some arcades wouldn't let kids in. You know, yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't because they're just losing money, but I guess they didn't want the kids just like banging on the machines and moving the joysticks around and stuff. Right. And, 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 and so you had to be like, you had to be like a teenager or something to be able to get in there because it was kind of shady, you know? And, uh, and so like when, you know, so for younger kids like you and I and stuff, if you were able to get a game system for the home, usually it'd be the Atari 2600. Uh, most people I know had one, uh, and, um, you know, and they would have various games on it and they would play it. My family, we, we've all talked about this. We didn't have anything, uh, except my mom out in California eventually got an Intellivision for us, but yeah. And that was the other thing. So then like probably somewhere around 82, 83, right? So after like Atari kind of dominates for about five years. Somewhere around 82, 83, you really start to get, like, people going into, like, what's the next system, right? Because it's kind of like you got ColecoVision, kind of. Some people had that, you know. In the beginning, some people had Intellivision, but Intellivision never really had any arcade games. They had It had good games, especially sports titles, but it just didn't have, like, you know, arcade Intellivision games. had more... They had more like intelligent type games. Where yeah, they could do more thinking stuff like that. Casino things, things for your parents, board game type things. It was a good yeah. little system. It's just that it was a, it didn't have the excitement of of bringing the arcade games in. And then ColecoVision cle- kind of came along and had a license with Nintendo, so they had like you know Donkey yeah. Kong and 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 all that sort of stuff. But now, 
Go ahead. But that's a, but you have to you have to let the people who don't know know that the ColecoVision version of Donkey Kong was like being at the arcade. Pretty much, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it has the Pie Factory like, in it too, which I don't think the twenty six hundred version did. Right. Um. Yeah, it was a weird thing at that time because you know, everybody kind of had a license to something. But right, yeah. like the the graphics on it were were above what was what had come before with ColecoVision, and it, it uses the same graphics as the first Sega system in Japan at that time. So the Sega released the SG one thousand or the Mark One. And also the Mark II, which was just a remodeled version of the Mark I. And that used the same processors and things that the ColecoVision did. Just not the same. You couldn't write a game for both, right? But if you you could port a game to the other one, you know, just with some tweaks, because they were using the same graphics and everything. Just the cartridges weren't, you know, interchangeable. But anyway, and then, you know, so you, you have this sort of thing. And then there's this, what's known as like the video game collapse. And uh, that's hard to really explain what was going on at that time. I, I, I mean, you would go into a store and games would be for sale and, and they would be fire sailed because people weren't buying them in, in the masses that they were. But I think, I think a lot of it is just like the industry was thinking that people were going to come and keep buying the games. So they overproduced everything. You had Vectrex and you had um, lots of little systems that I can't even think of right now that, you know, the Bally system and, and all of this stuff. And, you know, Atari trying to revamp the 2600 and the 5200 came out too at the same time. And, you know, ColecoVision obviously being there and stuff. But nobody was buying all that stuff, right? Everybody's like, I, we, you know, we got Atari twenty six hundred at home. This isn't the this isn't the next leap that we're yeah. that we're looking for. So then, uh, it, it just was a problem, and a lot of companies went out of business because they bet the farm on you know selling their stuff at the same time as everybody else. You know, it's like everybody was thinking this is a gold mine selling these games, and it's like, well, eh. And, but I also think that part of that, too, right around that time, was when the 8-bit computer era was going on. So rather than playing 2600 games, people were playing Commodore 64 games, right? Because they were just Love like, this is, the, this is the next step up to the Commodore 64. That's what I was doing, right? I wasn't playing 2600. I was playing Commodore 64 or Apple II. I, you know, people had those. Those were more expensive, but, you know, some people had money. They would they would play those you know on Apple or whatever, and some people had uh, Atari eight bit systems. Again, wasn't me, but those were sometimes cheaper, also sometimes more expensive, and people would play games on those. I know you had a Commodore sixty four. I yep. had a Commodore sixty four. A lot of people did, and you could play eight bit games on there, which were fairly close to NES quality. I, they basically had very close to the same graphics resolution. Um, pretty close to the same, uh, sprites on screen kind of thing. But the NES had a few more colors on screen, a few more tweaks that it could do with its feature set. And when the NES kind of rolled in, they did the same thing Atari had done. They had the arcade games, you know, they had the Mario, which wasn't in the arcade, of course, but that was huge. But they had, you know, Zelda, Duck Hunt, things that 
and people were just like talking about these things and and you know the, the NES was just like a massive seller but i mean if you go back and play a lot of those NES games i mean they're just so old just like any of these things i'm talking about right. they're just like they're just they're you know rose-colored glasses basically they're they're not a lot of fun to play in most cases not every game right. i know there's some people out there you're crazy man metroid's amazing <laughs> and stuff and it's like yeah. oh uh, i mean it's it's been improved since that time though you know there's uh, there's other ones you can play i mean the the super nes version of castlevania is going to be better i think than the 8-bit version of but um but but for a while there the nes was really popular now i didn't have one when when it was out but i i mean just about everybody else i know had one um and uh sega had the master system and the master system was more powerful than the and than the nes but a lot of people didn't realize that they just knew that the nes was outselling it and they just looked at the the what sega had on offer which again had a lot of arcade games was not a bad selection but not nearly as many games as the as the nes had and a lot yeah. of people just wanted to play those NES games. Um, but the Master System, uh, you know, uh, they designed it uh, with a much better graphics processor than what's in the NES. And, um, you know, it, it really was quite capable, uh, the Master System. I mean, they made versions of, like, Sonic the Hedgehog on it and stuff that are pretty close to the Genesis quality. Um, and this was, you know, in, in the 8-bit era. So, you know, the, the, the NES wasn't capable of anything of the sort uh, at that point, but they had Super Mario, you know, they, they, they had, uh, um, they, they, they had enough and, and people yeah. were just like, people get, people get into this inertia when they're buying systems and they're like, you know, this is the one, this is the system I'm going to own. Like, ah, uh, and you're just yeah. like, you know, you could buy two systems. You could have two under your TV. No, only right. this one, that other one trash <laughs> right and i've never my personally i mean we all know like i've never understood that mentality i wanted to play all the games like i wanted to play right. everything like you know i don't want to be like you know oh no i don't want to play 3do at the time 3do was a lot better because of the video and everything in it than you right. know what was on um genesis at that time right so i was like i totally wanted to play 3do but the, i also knew that genesis had some great games on it but anyway we get into that so NES was a, was a monster, you know, and the Master System did well in certain areas of the world, but it never really caught on fire like the NES did. Then Sega kind of closes the gap with the Genesis versus the Super NES. Part of the reason was uh, Sega was smart and they were like, let's get the Genesis out early. Let's get 16-bit out early. And because Nintendo has always been behind the, you know, slow. They've always been yeah. slow. And so, um, so it's like, let's get this going. And also because Genesis was well-designed. It was just a well-designed little console. Like it had a good processor in it. It had uh, quality graphics for its time and it had a lot of tricks in it. So you could get a, um, some really fun performance boosts and it had a good controller. Uh, and, you know, it had um, just an all around like good, like the, I no complaints about the Genesis. It was, and I don't think most people do, you know, you could sit there and say like, well, super NES is better or whatever. But I think just when you look at it as just a solid piece of kit, it, it's pretty good. And you also had the turbo graphics around at that time, but most people I know didn't have one. I think I knew one guy that had turbo graphics and turbo graphics had a lot of great games on it. 
Um, but it was a weird system because it was like, it was an eight bit microprocessor, but it had 16 bit graphics. So it was, it could do like full color, large character animation things on screen. It looked really good, but then the games were also be a little bit limited because they're still kind of eight bit, you know? So it's like a really good looking eight bit game. Yeah. Uh, But, um, it also had like the first CD ROM stuff going on with it though so it had you know that and it had its own little niche following and there and there were lots of other systems i'm not going to talk about everything while we're going through this i'm just kind of talking about the wave of of what happened with video games and so you know eventually super nes comes out and it's competing against the genesis and you know the super nes was better technically um it had a 256 colors versus like 32 or 64 versus um, the Genesis, but Sega was able to sort of adapt constantly. You know, they were like, all right, now we got the CD unit for it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, we got this, um, extra, you know, VX chip in our thing, just like Nintendo does for like hard driving or something. And we've got uh, the 32 X attachment. If you want to play 32, none of that shit was successful, but I think it like kept them in the conversation. People were like, you know, yeah, I, I've heard about, you know, Nintendo's new system, but I don't like Mario. I want to play Sonic. And Sonic, of course, was, <laughs> you know, when it came out, it was just like a, I don't know, people were really into platform games, and Sonic kind of took it to the next level. You know, Mario's great, yeah. but Sonic was just faster. You know, it had like these loops and things that, you know, it was just like kind of fast and crazy at that time. And, and a lot yeah. of that... It was a lot of that kind of 90s energy right then and there, you know? And then Sega was always like, had that slogan, like, Sega, you know? But it was kind of like that whole purple ketchup <laughs> in your face kind of thing going on, you know, with kids at that point. And Sega was yeah. just able to tap into that a little bit better than Nintendo was. Um, but Nintendo had its RPG thing. They had Squaresoft, you know, they, they, um, they had their Castlevanias and, you know, they, they built their library up. And of course, you know, uh, lots of high quality games. So Nintendo and, you know, I think maybe ultimately outsold the Genesis, but it was very close. Like they were like really neck and neck the whole time. And neither company did poorly. In fact, Sega was really enjoying like a, a lot of cash flow at that point. It was a good time for them. And then, you know, we get into the PlayStation era that comes in uh, at the same time as the Saturn. And we talked about this. The PlayStation was uh, um, uh, basically a Sega killer at that point. Um, but Nintendo was like looking at it and they're like, well, we got to do 3d too. So we're going to do cartridge based 3d, which was a weird choice, but good thing they did. And they came out with the N64, which was based on like Silicon graphics. And it was going to be this amazing thing. And, I always kind of go to this one argument that I had was like Super Mario 64 um, looked really good for the top, right? It had this like roundish cartoon characters. It had extra, you know, shading and lighting effects and things. You had this 3D world, you know, you could jump and get your stars or whatever and look great for 3D. it, It looked great at the time. I mean, we ended up getting like, a hundred more games that looked pretty close to it because everybody used that same game engine on the N64, you know, Donkey Kong 64 and, you know, uh, Turok Dinosaur Hunter and everything. Everybody was using the same 3D view, 
you know, the cameras right. and everything. But in the beginning, Mario looked pretty great. I, yeah. I totally give it to him. It, 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 was, it was pretty amazing. But the thing was, is that on the PlayStation, same time, come out with Tomb Raider. And just timing. I mean, not at the, the exact moment. Yeah. Not at the exact moment. But you know what I'm saying. Like, right in that era, you have Tomb Raider, which is guns drawn, big environment, 3D, but you're dinosaurs. fighting wolves and dinosaurs and shit, right? Swimming yeah. underwater, moving things around like Indiana Jones. And now you have this division because there's people that are like, Mario's higher quality. I like Mario. But then there's other people who are like, dude, that's for kids, right? You know, like right. Laura Croft is where it's at. Look at this shit. You know what I mean? And it's hard to deny it. Like when, when Eidos, you know, Crystal Dynamics or whoever wrote that, can't even remember anymore, um, Tomb Raider, like amazing. Just, just amazing at that time, right? It was just like, this was like, you know, a leap forward in what we were seeing up until that. People didn't really know what they were doing with 3D. And and so then you all of a sudden, you have this like sort of an adventure game with machine guns and shit. And you're just like, well, this, is, this is crazy. You know, this is this is next level stuff. So Nintendo kind of, their, their, their big triumph, unfortunately, I think got overshadowed a little bit because Lara Croft looked better on magazine covers for kids, you know, right, right. And, and they ended up buying that. So the N64 did okay. I think it was second place. So it was like PlayStation, of course, dominated N64 second, Saturn third. Um, and then you get into uh, the next generation. And I remember, because I was really into, you know, talking to people a lot more about video games socially than I had been in the past. And I remember talking to people like Packard, for instance, you know, and I'm like, so you're going to get a, um, you're going to get like a Dreamcast, you know, because Dreamcast kind of came in there between generations, right? It kind of was before right. PlayStation 2. It was a really good system, really. Um, the controllers right. were a little bit wonky, but it had a lot of fun games on it, you know, and, yeah, yeah. uh, it, it, it was compact. It had a nice little design, looked like a little toilet controller and, was a little bit weird, weird. Right. But you know, the, it, for instance, I, I watched this Bulky. recently on a, on a thing it was, and the trigger buttons would sometimes break, but the, the left, um, analog control wasn't done with wires. Like a lot of them are. So it doesn't have any drift in it. It was all done with magnets. So it was really accurate and it was always accurate all the time. And so, and it had that little funky memory card that I don't think really, I don't think it really went where they wanted it to go. The resolution on it was too small, but it was good for like picking football plays and not letting your buddy see what you're picking. Cause that was always the dumbest thing. Like, you know, when you're playing somebody on Madden or something, like you could totally see what defense they're picking, you know what I mean? Or or what offense they're going. Oh, you're going with that one. Okay. You know, and but when you could like select it on the VMU instead, that was kind of the future. You know, you could kind of see like, you could see the potential with what Sega was doing and they had Sega net. So for a while, so they were one of the first ones that had, um, internet play where you could play football with people um, over the over the modem, you know, and yeah. uh, as well as a bunch of other games. But um, it just you know, and I would talk to people like Packard. And I'm like, you gonna get Dreamcast, you know? And and he would be like, Nah, I'm waiting for PlayStation Two. And it becomes that brand loyalty, which I understood yeah. because the PlayStation delivered. Right? People were like, yeah. that system came through for me. I'm going to hold on to my money and I'm going to get the next one, you know? Yeah. 
And it's like, all right. But again, in Kevin's mind, you can't own both. <laughs> like the Dreamcast <laughs> is out now. PlayStation 2, even if it comes out tomorrow, what are they going to have? Eight games, one you're going to maybe want to play, and then you're going to wait like a year before you get more games because that's how it was, you know? Right. Uh, most of it was shovelware when systems first launched because games were never ready. And, and, uh, but people just, and, and that's what happened too with PlayStation 2. When it first came out, it didn't sell. Like it didn't sell very well. It was expensive. Um, and people were just kind of like weren't impressed by the games library that, that they didn't necessarily go out and buy Dreamcast. They just weren't buying PlayStation 2. And then they, um, came out with Gran Turismo 2. And, uh, yeah. Then it just like, yeah. boom, off the shelf or whatever it was, Gran Turismo 3, whatever it was for the PlayStation 2. And it yeah. just, it just, um, it sold like crazy at that point. Uh, and then, you know, you end up getting like Sega basically kind of goes away, but a lot of their engineers and developers and things went over to Microsoft and they end up coming out with the Xbox, which was the most powerful system at that time. Um, Nintendo kind of went middle ground with uh, GameCube, but um, GameCube was too little too late. It was one of those systems where developers were just sort of re-releasing games on it later on. And it, again, it just, it was a quality console, but it just had that look of it being for kids. It was those colorful blocks and it had those little discs and you had the Mario games on it and everything, but you didn't have a lot of big third-party support. Uh, probably due to Nintendo's own fault for their licensing practices. And, you know, they just didn't end up getting the kind of support they needed. So that, that became an after run system, like not a very good success for um, Nintendo at that point, even though it was a good hardware system. Um, and then Microsoft basically using a lot of the same technology from Dreamcast in the sense of, you know, they had the big bulky controller with the, you know, the slots on it to plug things in. They they ended up using a lot of the networking type stuff for um, internet play. And then uh, they had, you know, the hard drive built into the system at the get-go. And it was just more powerful. But again, it too suffered from lack of titles. PlayStation 2 being, again, the, the predominantly strong system. Uh, and, uh, the Xbox probably rounding it out in number two, at least in the United States, it didn't sell at all in Japan. I wouldn't have to look at the numbers worldwide between GameCube and Xbox to know who actually came in second place. I've never looked at that. Um, but I would think GameCube in the East in the United States would come in third. And then you end up getting to, um, PlayStation three, which didn't do as well. Um, the, it was too expensive. Ken Kugaragi put everything in his, you know, into that damn thing to, you know, Blu-ray and 15,000 different ports and plugs and expanders and things in it. But the Xbox 360 was cheaper and it had an established internet presence. It had Xbox live and Sony was still building out their internet stuff. It wasn't polished like it is today. They had a lot of things they were missing in terms of features, especially when you wanted to play with your friends, like cross invites and all this sort of stuff that, um, the 360 just dominated. And, and it was like the, at that point, Microsoft comes out on top with the 360 PlayStation three in second place. And, uh, Nintendo 
just says, fuck it. We're going to use the same technology that's in GameCube. We're just going to improve it a little bit and we're going to come out with the Wii. And we all looked at the Wii and we were just like, that thing sucks. But it was also kind of like a lot of people were just going, yeah, but look at that motion control. I can fight with a lightsaber and fight Darth Vader and shit and use the force and stuff. And it's like, sort of. You know, yeah, like, kind of, you're not, you know, there's a lot of things missing in that. It's not going to work quite that way. And I would warn people about it. But, you know, to Nintendo's credit, they had that Wii Sports with it. And right. that was a, that was some fun shit. You know, that was like fun to play right out of the box. Yeah. And that was enough to move that system to be number one that, you know what I mean? Like when it, it, they sold a gazillion Wiis just because of that. And then they had that Wii balance board for exercise and stuff. And I like yeah. Nintendo just like that. They knew what they were doing. They were selling low cost, you know, because not a lot of hardware improvements there. Just doing some tricks with the, you know, the motion control, making it easy for mom to play. It was brilliant. It really was. It was brilliant. I didn't play it that much, but they had a lot of games on a lot of shovelware for that thing. But it did. It did really well. But then, you know, you get into uh, PlayStation 4 type period. So you get PlayStation 4 and uh, Xbox One, and Nintendo's like, we're going to do Wii U. And people are like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not doing Wii. We just did did Wii. We're not doing Wii U. And uh, that thing was a total failure, right? Had that weird screen that you could, but it wasn't really remote. Like, the thing was a mess. But then you've got these two systems that were most recent, like, you know, up until just now. But Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and very competitively matched performance-wise. And exclusive titles very thin on each system. So it didn't make too much of a difference which one you owned because you're basically able to play most games on both systems and they're mostly identical on both systems. And so um, just becomes down to preference at that point. But I think both systems were excellent. uh, And that was actually a really good era for video gaming. I think people are going to look back on this, that era and be like, there were a lot of games here for these systems that were fun, high quality, and, you know, probably um, uh, some of the best stuff, you know, for that, for that time period. Not as many games as there would be for like PlayStation 2 or Wii, et cetera, you know, because of all the shovelware that was going on. But the quality of the games really went up. The jury's still out on where we are today with uh, PlayStation 5 and uh, Xbox Series and, um, because there's not enough titles out right now. And there's still a lot of support for the old hardware that, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. Maybe they released these systems too soon because they they don't make enough of them. But the number of titles that are released for them aren't aren't spectacular right now. There's there's just not a lot that are kind of really showing off this sort of quote unquote next generation. And so it's sort of like um, this generation might just be forgotten, kind of. Like people will buy these systems, they'll get them, but I don't think that the number of titles being sold for them are going to be as substantial i think we're probably gonna have to wait for whatever is going to come next to see if there is going to be a a, a real true paradigm shift um or they're going to have to just make more and more improvements to these to the games for these systems to really make them kind of stand out not sure 
Whereas Nintendo comes out with Switch, which kind of gimmicky at first where you could like take the controllers off and give it to your friends and they could play and you could use it as like a little standalone TV that basically nobody did. Everybody right. kind of just played it solo. And really it was kind of like a an Android phone th- type of thing, just, you know, gaming quality, um, just with, you know, a lot of specific games written for Switch Japanese type games, Nintendo games, et cetera, to, to you know, to, for people to buy and play this, um, sort of, I mean, successful for sure. Like sold plenty, but, but weird because like most people just aren't really into mobile gaming so much anymore, you know, but then it's, it, it works for Nintendo here because they, they don't want to spend all the money on like the super powerful console and stuff. So they're like, we can have sort of a media medium run of the mill console and um but make it portable and you can still put it on your tv and play the games from your couch or whatever we'll give you all of that so you have that ability and we can make it a little bit better on your screen but for most people they're buying it because it's it's portable it's just weird how that works and and so the switch has done really well for nintendo but it's also meant like they no longer have multiple um revenue streams because they used to have two different consoles. They used to have the home console and then they have like the 3DS or the DS or the Game Boy Advance or, you know, et cetera. And now they just have one thing. And so if their one thing doesn't do well next time, what happens to Nintendo? You know, they probably have enough money stored in some war chest that they could probably endure a failure or two. But, um, you know, it's uh, they they could also just become. I I I really worry sometimes, but I think Nintendo could ultimately pull the trigger one day and just be like, "We're just going to make games, right? Like we're just going to make games, and we're not going to make hardware anymore," because um, it's a it's a big risk. It's a lot of money to make hardware, you know, yeah. and uh, it's easier to just kind of like you know make games and get sign exclusivity deals and make tons of money doing that. You know, being able to be like, "Hey, Sony." You're Japanese. We're Japanese. Why don't you guys pay us an exclusivity deal and we just make Nintendo games for Sony consoles? You know, because Microsoft's buying up like things like Bethesda and Activision and stuff. So why don't we partner up and, you know, put our games on your system, but you guys give us some millions of dollars, et cetera. Could happen, you know, <laughs> and and uh, that would be the end of uh, that would be the end of, um, you know, hardware from them. And then we would be down to just really the two. Uh, game companies, not including these independent things and Steam decks and stuff like that, which are just PCs. We're keeping the PC out of the conversation. But anyway, we didn't get to the Clint stories. Oh, that's okay. They can wait. But we've got content for next week, so we'll um we'll wrap it here. But I just wanted to take you through a little nostalgia of of video game history right there, um, and just some of my opinions about kind of how we flowed from when I was born to where I'm at now, and uh, right. I don't know. We're gonna see how many consoles I can get to before I'm dead in the ground. From from you could you could call it the story from combat like a, from Atari's combat to COD. <laughs> Call of Duty, right on. Big difference. <laughs> it's amazing how it's amazing the difference. I mean, it's amazing the. I don't know yeah. in that amount of time how right. it all evolved. It's just crazy. It's all thanks to aliens. <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's just it is weird. All right, well, that's it for the show, folks. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more. Have a good one. Peace. 
You've been listening to Oblast with Don and Kevin. If you'd like to write into the show, send an email to oblast at vgn.us. That is VGN as in video game news. And be sure to check out our Patreon page, which is at patreon.com forward slash VGN, where you can get all of our shows, our videos, and some musings. Uh, Be sure to tune in each week for new episodes on our Patreon page or every other week on the public RSS feed that you're subscribed to now. Thanks for listening, and good night. Peace.